You're listening to a podcast of The River in Durant, Oklahoma. We hope that what you're about to hear will bless you and empower you to live the life that God has called you to live. We hope that it will strengthen you in faith and that it will help you better understand and better recognize who you are in Christ Jesus. Alrighty, I warned you, here he comes, Dr. John T. Holler. Amen. Good morning, everyone. I've had a good weekend. We married off Sydney and Cameron on Thursday. It's a lovely wedding. Now they're on a cruise, is that right? To Jamaica? Wow. Somebody has to suffer, might as well be them. Well, take a Bible, please, and turn to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews 4. We're working our way through Hebrews. Amen. I'll just read the first verse to start. Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. I want to talk to you today about resting in, in what God, Christ did. Resting in what Christ did. Amen. Amen. It's, a, it's a fact that, that Americans suffer from the lack of sleep, yeah. lack of rest. We think it's all about what we do. Yeah. Been so busy ever since we founded this nation. Ever since we, we came to this continent, we've been busy. Yeah. And, it, and it works. It works. It'll get you someplace if you stay busy. You should stay busy. But not to the not to the extent of your health. Doctors tell us that they believe that ninety percent of all Ill- illnesses and diseases are connected to stress. Yes. Did you know that? Yes. You ever heard that? Mm-hmm. Doctors are real concerned about Americans, especially because we're so full of stress. We carry it home, take our work work home with us. Anybody yeah. is, is, is touching anybody right now? <coughs> we carry our work home with us. We sleep with it. We get up with it. And that stress stays in you, even though you're, you're asleep. Stressful things, and it starts. It starts with your religion, I believe. It starts with what you believe about God. Yes. Because if you think you have to work to please God, to be be accepted by God, you're going to work all the time. Nobody wants to die and go to hell. You have to work for it all the time. God, God isn't in it, but you just you're waiting for you to mess up or something like that. That can carry over into your whole life. I want you to be stress-free and live an abundant life. Amen. Glory to God. Let's read on, Miss Ann, what it says in verse 2. For unto us. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. Stop right there. One of the reasons why... I don't believe that Paul wrote this is because of that, that saying right there. That's one more reason right there. For unto us was the gospel preached. The gospel was not preached to Paul. No, it wasn't. It was not preached to him by, by men. Jesus himself revealed himself to Paul. Okay? Paul would never say that. 
Paul would never say that right there. One thing you can write down, write that down someplace. No, Paul would never say this. He never said that. He always said that Jesus revealed it to him straight up. So he's not, they're not looking, whoever this is, not Paul. Somebody has been influenced by Paul, but it was not Paul. I know that. But here's what this, this truth is, is found here. The gospel must be received by faith. Amen. It's pure and simple. The gospel must be received by faith. The gospel is not ordering you to do something. The gospel is asking you to believe. Yeah. It, it encourages you to believe, to receive. If you're going to receive anything, you got to believe it first. If they told you that you, you, you came to church here today, they're going to write you a thousand dollar check. <laughs> this is all of it made me smile. <laughs> that wouldn't be an empty seat in the house. Especially if we did it once. You just come to church, we're going to write you a thousand dollar check this today. And it'd be full. Amen. When Gregory C. gets enough money, we're going to do that one of these days. <laughs> Amen. Come on, Greg. I'm pulling for you, man. Well, that's not that's not receiving it by faith until they receive it by faith. What I'm saying is a word that goes out that does not have power behind it will never create faith. The word that goes out that it has power behind it. The reason that this gospel works is because men have used it to, to live by it. And your, your confidence comes from seeing somebody with authority say, it works, it works, it works. We all believe things on authority. You, you, you can't tell me there's a place called New York City unless you've been there. How many of you believe that there's a city named called New York City? Everybody here? How many of you have been there? Why do so many of you think there is a city called New York? How do you think it? Have you heard about it? Heard about it with somebody with authority. Somebody with authority that said they've been there, so you believe it. This is all, the, this is all the believing the gospel is. Believing the gospel is believing that somebody with authority told you the truth. Amen. God's telling us this is his message. Verse 3, Miss Ann. For we have believed, we which have believed, do enter into rest, as he said. As I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. Okay, so the gospel is the rest. The rest of God is the gospel. How do you rest in this life? You get the gospel in you. What is the gospel? Christ died for our sins. He was buried. He rose again the third day. It's all about Him. Yes. All about what He did. He purged our sins before we were even born. Yes. What does that have to do with you? Nothing, but, but you just have to believe it. Yeah. Nothing you can do to make your sins go away. Jesus had to do it. Somebody bigger than you had to do it. Thank God He did. Yes. Amen. Glory to God. Jesus did it. Believing the gospel is entering the rest. Believing the gospel. That's the Word of God today. It says that later on. Let's read on, Miss Ann, verse 4 and 5 and 6. For he spake in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise, and God did rest the seventh day from all his works. God said, let there be light. 
Let there be the separation between the land and the sea, the heavens and the earth and all. He said, let the let the earth bring forth abundantly and grass and trees and all. He said, let it bring forth the animals and the creatures of the sea. He said, eight times, let there be something. He said, eight times, let it is good. And he made man and said, it's not good. That man should be alone. I told the audience the other day that God put Adam to sleep to get a bride out of his side, took a rib from his side. Think about that. Adam went to sleep one day. When he woke up, he was married. That's how, that's how these women do it, guys. They get you in the days. Kind of walk, walk around in the days, and then the next thing you know, you're married. <laughs> I'm sorry about that, but it's kind of the truth. You know what I'm saying? And in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest, seeing therefore it remaineth that some must enter therein, and they to whom it was first preached entered not in because of unbelief. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the Sabbath day of the new covenant. He, entering into, entering into Jesus and his message, is the way you enter the Sabbath. You got that? Don't let any Judaizers tell you you've got to go to church on Saturday and you've got to observe the Sabbath. You observe the Sabbath because Christ is in your life. He is the New Testament Sabbath. Amen. Glory to God. The Bible says in Malachi 4.2, I think. Put that up there for me. Malachi 4.2. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son, S-U-N, of righteousness arise with healing in his wings. This is Jesus now. Yeah. Rising in the, with a Son. That's why we, he, were, he rose on the first day of the week. Not, not, not Saturday, but Sunday. That's why we gather on Sunday to worship because it's his day. This is the Lord's day. The Sabbath was never called the Lord's day. God said, God said he made the Sabbath for man. Sabbath is man's day. Sunday is the Lord's day. Amen. Somebody say amen. So the gospel of Jesus Christ is a Sabbath day for the new covenant. Sunday is the day you worship Jesus. But you don't worship him only on Sunday, I hope. I hope you worship him every day of your life. Amen. The early church gathered on Sundays, so we gather on Sundays. Verse 7, Miss Ann. Again, he limited a certain day, saying in David, Today, after so long a time, as it is said, Today, if you will hear his voice, <laughs> harden not your hearts. Hearing is a choice of a tender heart. Yeah. Yeah. It's, like, it's like God believes that he's, he's speaking. God is speaking. It's up to you to hear him. Yes. It's up to you to hear him. Yeah. You hear him with a tender heart. Hardened hearts can't hear God. Tender heart hears God. You can hear God's voice today because you're his sheep. You belong to him. You have a right to hear God's voice. You understand me? You have a right to hear God's voice. You can hear God's voice. Just tenderize your own heart. Like it says in Ephesians 3, 432, Miss Anne, come up here and help me sing this song. We used to sing this to our kids all the time. We did. 
Ephesians 4. when they were fighting. Yeah, when they were fighting. <laughs> Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you to do. Twiddly do. Ephesians 4.32. Anyway. You sing pretty good, girl. Be tenderhearted. You can make up your mind to be tenderhearted. Make up your mind to be hard-hearted. You can make up your mind to be, have a tender heart toward others and toward God. He said, keep your heart soft, tenderize it, so you can hear his voice. A hard heart cannot hear God. A hard heart cannot hear God. Say it with your own mouth. A hard heart cannot hear God. Verse 8. For if Jesus had, Jesus had given them rest... Stop right there. That Jesus is Joshua. The old Joshua of the Old Testament. Then would he not afterward have spoken of another day? Back up and read it that way with Joshua there. For if Joshua had given them rest, then would he not afterward have spoken of another day? He wouldn't have spoken of another day if Joshua was if going into the promised land was the, the rest God was talking about. He wouldn't have spoken of another day. Read on. There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. For he that is entered into his rest, he also ceased from his own works as God did from his. Works are good. Everybody say works are good. Works are good. Works are good, but cannot make you righteous nor keep you righteous. Can't make you righteous, cannot keep you righteous. The early church had a problem with this. When the Gentiles came in and got saved, you know, by faith, the Jewish believers, which were the, were the multitudes, were the biggest number, they said, okay, it's okay for you to be saved like this, but you know, if you're going to stay saved, you got to do this, go this out, cut that off, and do all this other stuff. Cut that off meant circumcise your men. And stop eating catfish and bacon and all that. Come come clean, you know, like the Jews are. And Paul threw a fit. Paul and Barnabas threw a fit. And they had a big council about it in Acts chapter 15 and had to change everything for the Gentiles to say, it's faith alone, faith alone, faith alone. Stay away from the stay away from the, the idols' temples. With, with what they, their, their practices, there were four practices that, that the idols had that the idol temple went on in there. Drinking blood, uh, sacrificing a, uh, their animals to God, to the false gods, strangling their their sacrifices, and fornication. Those four things they had to stay away from. Just to say, we're not that anymore. We're not that anymore. We're new. Everything else was, was okay. Christmas trees is okay. Amen. Easter eggs are okay. Amen. Have a ball. <laughs> Halloween's okay to an extent. Amen. Verse 11. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. 
rest, the rest is faith, and this is our only labor, to rest in faith. But you have to labor at it. You'll have to work at it. I mean, it'll sneak up on you. Ever, ever notice how it sneaks up on you? I was laying in bed two nights ago, and I started thinking about something that was years ago, had, had happened years ago. It was all over with and done, and I was all stressed out about it. That laying, lying in bed, couldn't sleep because of this thing that had happened years ago. I said, God, what is this? He says, just stress, John, just stress. Yeah. That's all it is. You have to fight the stress to stay in, in, in peace and in rest. Yes. Fight the stress to stay in rest. It rhymes. Stress is a killer. That is a big. That is a big struggle. It is, but you can do that. You can do it because it's a labor that is worth fighting for. Amen. Amen. Most doctors now link stress to ninety percent of all illnesses and diseases. They say, "I already told you that." That's the truth. Don't get sick over this. Over stress. Enter the rest of God. Be at peace. Let peace rule your life, Dad. You raised your kids. You got them at your feet now. Drink in every moment with you, you can with them. Yes. Don't 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 always try to get them raised up to, quick enough. Uh, my daughter and her son were uh, <laughs> writing his, his numbers one day, and he wrote his number six backwards. Wrote his number six backwards. And she said, Max, you got to turn it around and do it the other way. Make it like this. He's running like this. And he looked up at her and said, Mom, why are you trying to take my childhood away? <laughs> There's something to that, I guess. I like the story about the, the kids that were coming home coming home from church. They, de they dedicated their new baby. She's in the car seat, in the back seat. Her big brother was in the seat with, with her, and he started crying, crying, crying. He was unconsolable, just bawling like a baby. Dad said, what's the matter, son? Why are you crying? So he said, I'm sad. What, what, why are you so sad? Well, the preacher made me sad, but what he said. What did the preacher say? Well, he said he was glad we were going to be raised in a good Christian home. But I'd rather stay with y'all. Read <laughs> 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 verse 12. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. What word of God is he talking about there? He isn't talking about the Bible because the Bible did not exist as we have it now. There was no new covenant Bible at the time. What word of God is he talking about? The gospel, verse 12, verse 2. He, he t names the subject up in verse 2 of this passage. The gospel and rest. The rest of the gospel is the way you know what, what the Word of God is. The gospel is the Word of God. It brings the rest, the peace. Cease from works. 
What rest means is ceasing from your works to try to please God. You work for God now because you want to. Not because you have to. Not because you're afraid you're going to, going to go to hell. Because you, you just delight to, do, to serve your Father. Amen. He's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And look at the verse 13 now. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight. But all things are naked and opened unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. I have some really good news for you today. God is not reading your mind. Yeah, Jesus. <laughs> He's not looking at every thought that goes through your mind. He doesn't have that kind of time. Every thought that go, every demonic thing that goes through your mind, even when you're in church thinking about sex. You keep looking straight ahead, nobody will know it's you. God does not do that. He's not reading your mind and trying to make you feel guilty for every bad thought that you have. He's looking on your heart. He knows the intent of your heart. God loves your heart. Why is that? Why is he looking on your heart? Because that's where your faith works. Faith does not work in your head. Faith works in your heart. Amen. God looks at the heart because it's where your faith works. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, that thou shalt be saved, delivered. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. That means that your heart is where your faith lies. It's in your inner man. What you really believe, what you really are, what really makes you tick is inside you. Amen. Glory to God. That's good. Read verse 14, we're saying. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. Your profession will activate your faith. That's how it's done. Your profession. There's, there are two words that I really like that are translated profession and confession in the Bible. One of them is this homologia, which is what this one is. Homologia means to confess, to report, to say homologeo means to say the same thing as God. Say the same thing as, a, as another. Confess that both, both translated confess or confession or profession. So if you're talking like God, then you're saying what God says. That means, what does God say about sin? I ask this, I ask this to my students. They all say, he hates it. I said, that's not his opinion anymore. He hated it. God's con con confession about sin is Christ died for your sins. That's the gospel. That's God's promise to man. He, Christ died for your sins to pay for you. He said, I paid for your sins. I paid for your, 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 your misdeeds. I paid for your dying and going to hell. I paid for it all. That's what the gospel means. It's done. Amen. Your profession then is how you activate that to work, work for you. By faith. Amen. And I don't notice what it says there. Hold fast, therefore. You know why you have to hold fast to that profession? It'll get away from you if you don't watch it. You don't get. You don't watch what you what you say. You'll start saying anything. Amen. Call yourself a sinner, saved by grace. You call yourself stupid. You call yourself everything but what God calls you, which is His favorite. Yes. Amen. 
You have to hold on to it. Hold on to that profession of faith. Say it, say it, say it, say it, say it. Say it until you get a habit of saying it. It's hard to get a habit of saying it because your tongue is wild. Your tongue does not want to be trained. Yeah. It's like it's attached right to your emotions or something, you know. Because it wants to say what it feels. Yeah. Yeah. Am, I am I talking to anybody right here? Talking to everybody, Miss Ann said. I drove by Willard Crabtree's house one day, went home from work, looked in the backyard, and a bulldog, his prized bulldog, was hanging from a rope in the backyard. That bulldog was known to kill other animals, and I figured that he, he'd kill everything or killed something that the boys, Willard's boys, didn't like. I figured they'd hung him in a tree. He had three t teenage boys who were quite something. Good, good kids, but they were, they were really something. They're boys. I pulled in there and stopped, jumped out and walked about around behind the house where that dog was. The closer I got, the more I noticed that rope was not tied around that dog. It had a knot in it, big old well rope, you know, big old heavy rope, big back, about that big around. Had a knot in it, and he had that rope in his mouth. His rope was about about this high, about over six feet high. Had to open his mouth, and he's just growling, growling and twitching, twitch growl. I stand there looking at that dog, and thinking, "My goodness, what's going on here?" I never saw that before. My, anybody here ever saw that? Look at that dog. Here in a minute, the boys come walking out of the back of the house. Hey, John, what are you doing? What am I doing? What's this dog doing here? <laughs> they said, oh, he's practicing. I said, for what? <laughs> they, said, they said, he's a fighting dog. I said, no, he's a fighting dog, but that's Ill illegal. They said, yeah. <laughs> Thackerville, and you know what I mean. <laughs> they said, shh, okay. I said, how did he get up there? He said, he jumped up there. I went, he did He did what? <laughs> jumped up there. He jumped up there. Wow. I said, how, how, can you get him down? He said, no, we can't get him down. I said, take a stick and, take a stick and hit him. He, he said, no, he won't let go at all. You can't make him get, get down. I said, how did he get down? He said, he'll come down when he gets tired. So hung there and hung there for about 10 minutes. Finally, he gave it out, dropped down. And that stupid dog was walking around in circles, looking up that rope every now and then and growling at it. I'm going to get you later. Walk around in circles, growling at that rope. He held fast. <laughs> nothing, nothing can make him turn loose. You get used to holding on strong. Nothing can make you turn loose. Amen. Hold fast to your profession of faith. Verse 15, Miss Ann. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Whatever you're going through, Jesus has already been there. Yeah. Done that, got the t-shirt. I mean, he did, he did it. Whatever you're going through, don't think he can't feel what you go through. He knows what you're going through. And Jesus has already been there. Amen. 
He's not a high priest who cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. What a, what a great statement of faith that it is. Know that he knows what you're going through and has compassion on you. You have a friend in heaven. Amen. Glory to God. Reading this hand. Next verse. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You have a standing invitation to the throne room. A standing invitation is you come when you want to come. You come when you need to come. I call some of my guys. Sometimes I call, I'll say about one of them, Everett Foster in Pittsburgh, Texas. I called him a few months back and I said, Everett, when do you want me to come this year? He said, Pastor John, you tell me when you want to come. Do you have a standing invitation? Anytime you're ready, I'll be ready for you. Amen. Have about 10, 10 or 15 guys that do me that way. Say, you tell me when you can come. I'll take you whenever you can come. That's a blessing right there. God is saying to you, whenever you can come, whenever you can get here, I'll be ready for you. Amen. There's no inopportune time for God to hear your prayer. I know you pray, I know all of us pray lots of prayers on these highways these days. Oh God, <laughs> Jesus, Jesus, oh God, well that works. Amen. It'll work. Yes. Just don't let that be your only prayer, okay? Yeah. Come other times too. Yeah. But don't come groveling. Amen. See that last thing there? Come boldly, he said. Amen. Come boldly. Come boldly into the throne of God. If you come groveling, you're saying, I don't really believe Jesus did enough. One thing you're saying is, I don't believe Jesus did enough. I gotta, I gotta act a certain way to, to get in. If you come groveling, you say, my sin is bigger than, and stronger than his sacrifice. That's what you're saying. My sin's too big for this, this sacrifice of Jesus. Third thing you're saying is repentance is more important than faith and grace. If you come groveling. After he commanded you to come boldly. Now listen to me. Let's read that verse again see what it says. Make sure we hear what he's saying. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy. Why do you need mercy? What do you need mercy for? For infractions, for breaking the rules, for sins. That's why you need mercy. And he says, still come boldly. Yeah. Uh, that doesn't match my experience in church. <laughs> they told me to come broken. Yeah. Didn't they? Yeah. Told us to be broken. God didn't say we come broken. He said come boldly. Because yeah. the sacrifice is enough, more than enough to cover whatever you've done wrong. Glory to God. That's good news right there. That's some good news right there. There was a man, I won't tell you his name, who preached brokenness all the time. Went around preaching brokenness, brokenness, brokenness. 
had scripture for it too, but it's all messed up and convoluted. I stood against him, not not him personally, but against the message. I stood stood against it strongly at CFNI because it had infected CFNI. I stood up against it. I won <laughs> because the word of God does not say that. That's right. No, it's not all about your brokenness. It's about your faith. It's all always oh, been about your faith. It's all, it's all it'll ever be about your faith, what you believe. If you get in faith, you don't have to be broken. That's right. You're more like God when you're in faith and when you're broken. God never gets broken. That's right. You're like your father. You're supposed to be in faith. Yes. Amen. God said when he looked at it in the darkness and wanted to be able to make a planet, build the earth, right. what did he do? He said, let there be light. That's right. He believed that what he said would happen. That's what the Bible says in Hebrews 11. It says, by faith, God spoke the words into existence. He is a faith God. But toward us, He's a grace God. Amen. He's a grace God toward you. And when you get into His grace, you know how to walk by faith. Amen. Glory to God. Leaving all the stresses behind. Coming in to a family of faith. But this guy went about talking about brokenness all the time, and I heard that he had passed away. Ran into a guy in Houston who uh, told me, he said, did you hear so-and-so passed away? I said, yeah, I heard it. He died. He said, or didn't just die. He said, about that of a broken heart. I said, oh, wow, that's, that's kind of scary. He said, no, no, it's prophetic. I said, no, no, it's pathetic. <laughs> he, got what he, he got what he preached is what he got. Out of a broken heart, because he's all talking about breaking your heart. Yeah. He got his broken heart. It happened to him because it was not the will of God for it to happen, though. It happened because he said it, said it, said it, said it, said it. God is not in. God is not into brokenness. I I, uh, I read a passage over there where it says that Jesus said, "If you stumble at this rock, you fall down on this rock, you'll be broken." But if it falls on you, you're going to be ground to powder. Had him tried to use that as a key scripture for this. I said, you know, Jesus was talking to the Pharisees, don't you? The stumbling stone, the rock of offense, that's what he's talking about. It's bad enough to do that, but if you wait till he comes back and you're still in unbelief, you're going to be ground to powder. That's that's the whole message of that. How can you get something for believers out of that? It's not there. It's not there. That was a message to the unbelieving Pharisees. Your message is have faith in God and come boldly before the throne of grace. Amen. Get rid of the stresses and live in the rest of God. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Come on, Casey.